Hello everyone and welcome back to Spill the Murder. Today we're going to be talking about chapter 11, The Killer Bride. Last time we were here we talked about chapter 10, to the Tacoma Murders. So without further ado, let us continue. We'll not just continue, let's just begin. So in Kalispell, Montana is known as the gateway to Glacier National Park. With a population of only 23,000 people, it was hurtled into the national spotlight during the summer of 2013 as a spot of one of the most absurd murders of the year. Jordan Graham was a shy, introverted, and deeply <clears throat> religious 20-year-old when she met 23-year-old Cody Johnson. Cody spent no, Cody was quite the opposite. He was very outgoing, social, and though they met at a church picnic, he didn't really have an interest in going to church. He was more interested in fast cars, shooting and shooting guns than going to church. Cody was instantly smitten with Jordan and the two began dating. Though Cody felt madly in love, Jordan was unaffectionate. Because of her religion, Jordan didn't believe in sex before marriage. But her lack of affection went beyond just the absence of sex. Their friends noted that the couple never held hands or flirted together. That didn't deter Cody. He tried hard to win over Jody's love. When they first started dating, Cody told his mother that she was the one. He told her that he intended to take Jordan he intended to make Jordan his wife. Church was very important to Jordan, and one of the first things she made Cody do was go to church with her every Sunday, and if they were going to have any sort of relationship at all, he would need to be a good Christian like her. Though they never had any sexual contact at all, Jordan still wasn't interested in showing affection. Cody was undeterred. And after a year of dating, he asked her to marry him. To Cody's delight, she said yes, and the two started planning their wedding. During the wedding, the during the planning stages, Jordan was excited to plan the wedding, but she clearly wasn't excited about actually being married. Jordan would often ask her friends if she was making the right decision. Her friends would tell her that she was a pre was apprehensive, and but she continued to plan the wedding regardless. Before the wedding, Jordan told her friends that she wanted the wedding, but she wasn't looking forward to being married. And June 29th, 2013 was a big day. It was a warm summer day on in Montana. Cody and the wedding guests were excited, but Jordan's mood was somber and emotional. Walking down the aisle, Jordan was crying and looking at the ground. It was obvious that her tears weren't tears of joy. She was terrified. When Jordan got to the altar, the crying continued. She couldn't even look Cody in the eye. She held his hand, but could only look at the ground in front of her. After the ceremony, 
the newlyweds danced a song composed by a friend with lyrics saying, quote, You helped me to climb higher for a better view. You're my safe place to fall. End quote. It is clear that Jordan didn't enjoy the wedding, the reception, or the thought of being married, and she was dreading what was coming next, the wedding night. Jordan sent a text to her mom. No. Jordan sent a text to her matron of honor, her maid of honor, saying, quote, I should be happy, and I'm just not. I know I just know he's going to want to do stuff, and I'm not really wanting to. I'm using my period started spiel tonight, and I freaking hope it works, because if I'm forced to do something, I'm f- going to freak out. I feel like it's my job to make, him ha- to make him happy, even if I'm miserable. End quote. In the days after the wedding, Jordan confessed to friends that they still haven't con- consummated the marriage. She told them that she was just too nervous and couldn't do it well. While she was with friends, she was leth- um, lethargic and depressed. In days after the wedding, Cody confided to his friends as well. He told them that even though they were now married, there was still no sex or, e- or even affection. Nothing had changed. After no, A week after their wedding, Jordan sent a text to a friend again saying, quote, Jordan said, quote, Oh well. I'm about to talk to him. Friend said, quote, I'll pray for you guys. Jordan said, quote, but dead serious. If you don't hear from me all again tonight, something happened, end quote. And something did happen. Nine days after the wedding, Cody's friends and family came worried that he didn't show up for work. And that was completely out of character for Cody. The last time anyone had seen him, seen him was with Jordan on Sunday afternoon after church at the local Dairy Queen. When his friends spoke to Jordan, she seemed unconcerned at Cody's disappearance. In fact, she was happy. Happier than her friends had ever seen her. Jordan said Cody was out in the garage of their home that Sunday evening. When she went out to see him, he wasn't there anymore. She said she saw a dark-colored car with Washington plates driving away. She claimed that later, that she later got a message from him saying that he was going for a ride with some friends from out of town. Despite Jordan's story, Cody's friends knew he wouldn't just take off like that. And he wasn't answering any of his text messages or calls. Cody's friends called police and reported him missing. Understandably, the first person that police wanted to speak to was the last person to have contact with him was his wife of little over a week, Jordan Graham. Jordan told police that the same story she told friends, she told them that Cody had gone out of a vehicle, gone out for a drive with some of his buddies. Quote, well, I got a message saying that he was going to go for a ride with some of his out-of-town buddies that were visiting. I had no idea who they were, but he always told me this one thing. His friends came to visit, and he would take them to Glacier Park. End quote. When asked if she and Cody had been fighting at night, she told them, she told police they hadn't. She had also told one of her friends that they hadn't been fighting, but police were questioning all their friends, and one friend had a conflicting story. 
when the questioning and Jordan's made uh, upon her, Kimberly, they found that they found that she had told Kimberly that she and Cody had indeed been fighting. She told Kimberly that Cody had held her down while they were arguing and grabbed his keys and scratched her. Friends and family showed up at Jordan's house to help her look for Cody, but she didn't seem interested in looking for him. She became frustrated that everyone was so concerned about Cody. She was so visibly flustered, and at one point, she took off her wedding ring and threw it across the room. His friends were shocked and confused. They wanted to help her find her husband, but she seemed to want the opposite. Police were noticing Jordan's strange actions and also made note of inconsistent stories she had been giving. She seemed to give everyone involved a slightly different story. At this point, even her friends were becoming suspicious and had no idea what was going on with her strange behavior. Then, Jordan had some news. She told her friends that she got an email from someone that called himself, quote-unquote, Tony the Carman. In Tony's email, he tells her that Cody took him to Glacier National Park, and he accidentally fell off a cliff. Quote, Hello, Jordan. My name is Tony. There's no bother looking for Cody anymore. He's gone. End quote. Her friends thought it was odd that Jordan had shown the email to him, to them, and not the police. They told her to show the email to the police. But what they thought was even more odd was the fact that she wasn't crying. Someone had just told her that her husband was just... For, uh, just over a week was dead and she didn't seem the slightest bit upset. The police were immediately suspicious and they weren't suspicious of the mysterious Tony in the oddly wor uh, worded email, but they were suspicious of Jordan. They were suspicious of Jordan. Police knew things just wouldn't happen that way. There is also the question of her demeanor. It was as if she was relieved by the by the letter rather than saddened. Kalispell Police Detective Corey Clark said, quote, the email that she provided to us stated that these unknown that these unknowns that he had taken off with as well as the Tony person had seen him fall off a cliff or at least disappeared and that she was given explicit instructions to tell police to call off the search. There was no more need to search for him and at this point I think she just expected us to just walk away from it. End quote. Four days after Cody's disappearance, she gathered her friends and told them that she wanted them to help her look for Cody and Glacier National Park. Glacier National Park is a massive park that spans over 1 million acres of rugged mountain terrain and has 700 lakes. As she and her friends made the drive out of the park, out to the park, Jordan was acting like it was a vacation. She drove with her arm out the window, playing with the breeze and singing along to the songs on the radio. Her friends were somber and confused at her lack of emotion. When they arrived at the park, her friends were 
diligent and searched as best as they could in such a gigantic park, but Jordan was barely making an effort. That day, they found nothing and drove back home. The next day, they went to the park again, and within minutes of entering the park, Jordan knew exactly where to go. She told her friends that she thought he was at a particular spot on a trail called the Loop Trail. Along the Loop Trail, there was a spot with a 300-foot cliff to the other side of the safety wall. Jordan seemed excited and said, quote, I think he's down there, end quote. She hopped over the safety wall and climbed down to the edge of the cliff where she could see the bottom. She then yelled to her friends, quote, he's down there, I can see him, end quote. Jordan's friends were in disbelief. In a park that spans 13,000 acres, well, 13 square miles, she knew exactly where to go. When police arrived, they used a helicopter to get to the bottom of the cliff. At the bottom of the cliff, they found the body of Cody Johnson in the shallow water beneath a waterfall. Cody's body has had extensive damage to his head and arms. It is determined he had fallen face first. His forehead had an eight-inch gash, and he was found without his wedding ring. Aside from relief, Jordan again was free of emotion. When police asked her how she knew where to find him in such a massive area, she replied, quote, The Holy Spirit led me to where he was. It was a place he had wanted to see before he died. End quote. After only a few days of marriage, Jordan Graham was a widow, but she didn't seem to care. She told her friend Kimberly, quote, now that they that we have the body, we can have the funeral and cops and the cops can be out of it. End quote. Jordan naively thought the police would just drop everything once his body was found. By the same t- by the time of Cody's funeral, the sixteen days after the wedding, there was no question in front in her friends' minds that Jordan was responsible for Cody's death. Jordan Jordan's behavior was simply unacceptable, and she showed no emotion at all. During the funeral, as they put Cody's body in the ground, his friends and family were crying, but Jordan was on her phone texting. That only solidified her friends suspicions. Police had felt the same and were building their case against Jordan. After the funeral, Caspell's police told Jordan, brought Jordan back in for more questioning. By this time, the FBI was involved. When agents told her that she was under arrest for killing her husband just eight days after her wedding, after their wedding, Jordan was unmoved. It wasn't until they presented the evidence they had against her that she showed any emotion at all. Police had subpoenaed the cell phone companies of both her and Cody. The records show that they both entered Glacier National Park on Sunday evening. The security camera at the entrance of the park showed them entering the park in her car. Police were also able to prove that the email from the Tony the car man is actually composed by Jordan at her stepfather's home. She had written the email herself to buy to try to hide the crime. After FBI agents 
presented her with the evidence against her, she broke down. She admitted that she had regrets about marriage and was overwhelmed with negative emotions. She went on to explain that they had been arguing about the night of Cody's death. They decided to go to um, to Glacier National Park to go for the and go to the Loop Trail. Jordan then mentioned something that shocked the FBI agents. Out of the blue, Jordan claimed that Cody told her that he would wear a blindfold on the ch- on the trail. Quote, I didn't want to do that trail because I was afraid that he could fall. And he said, I could do it with, with it. I could do it with a blindfold on. I could just put it on, take a step, and I wouldn't even fall. End quote. This was a shock to them because police found a black piece of cloth. Near the body, and they believed they, that could have been used as a blindfold. When tested by FBI forensic scientists, there was human hairs embedded in it. Ultimately, because the cloth was was handed in properly during investigation, they were unable to prove it that she had used it as a blindfold. Additionally, on the Sunday before his disappearance, Cody's friends told police that he was a good he was in a good mood because Jordan told him she had a surprise for him. Cody and his friends all assumed that the surprise would have finally have that they would finally have sex. FBI agents believe that Jordan brought Cody to the park and blindfolded him with the lure that he would finally be getting sex. Jordan Jordan explained that while on the loop trail, they hopped over the safety wall along the going to the sun road and then climbed down a steep rocky slope and they then made their way to the edge of the cliff with a massive drop below. Quote, it kept going through my, my head that, you know, you are going to fall or something. And then we were, we were arguing some more and he went to wrap my arm in my jacket. And I said, no, I'm not going to, def- no, I'm going to defend myself. So I said, let go. And I pushed and then he went over. I wasn't thinking about where, where we were. I just pushed and I didn't feel like I killed him. I mean, I pushed him, but it was an accident. I think it's because emotions were running so high. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was every emotion I could ever think of all at once. And I've ever, and I've never felt like that before. I've never experienced such high emotions, end quote. Later in their interrogation, Jordan told police that the two of them had been arguing while on the loop trail, and she admitted that in a fit of rage, she had shoved Cody with both hands in his back. After he fell 300 feet to his death, she simply left the park and went home. On the one-hour drive home, she went. She sent text messages to 
to friends, but mentioned nothing about what had happened to Cody. She then made up stories to her friends and family that Cody had gone on a joy ride with his friends. 22-year-old Jordan Graham was charged with first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and making misleading statements to police. She faced a potential life sentence. Initially, she pleaded not guilty and then changed her plea during the trial just before the case was being presented to the jury. She then pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to 30 years in prison without the possibility of parole. Jordan Graham offered to apologize. Um, Jordan Graham actually offered no apologies or explanations for her crime. Quote, it was important. No, it was a moment of complete shock and panic. I have no other explanation. I was kind of feeling, should we have waited a little bit longer and then got married? I wasn't feeling like I was on cloud nine, end quote. And that is the story of the killer bride. It's just crazy. If she wasn't ready for to get married, why didn't she just, like, not leave him at the altar, but saying, like, I, I can't do this. Like, saying, like I, like, I can't do this. I can't get married. Or, like, when he proposed, why didn't she say no? Like, there is always an out to marriage. I'm not saying leave the poor man at the, al- the altar. Just tell him, like, I can't, I can't do this. And then just walk out of the wedding chapel. Or when the, the man that you so-called loved or so-called didn't love when when he got down on one knee and proposed why didn't you tell him no like those are like very good questions like why didn't she say no to him it's just freaking odd and stupid that she didn't say like oh like no i'm not ready for marriage yet i i haven't really had sex yet meanwhile i'm like not really like the sex before marriage type of gal i'm more like sex after marriage type gal like why didn't she like even like you know say that like it's like why do people have to go with the murdering route like like chris watts and chris coleman like they had to murder their wives and didn't want to divorce them why couldn't they just divorce them they can get a bank loan. They could have gotten a bank loan to divorce their wives and repay the bank. It's not that hard. It all depends if you have good freaking credit and then they'll give you it. All depends. Depends on your credit score. So, it's like it's just why go the stupid idiot route, like route, and just murder people, murder people that didn't deserve to be murdered, like Cody. He didn't deserve to be murdered. He just loved her unconditionally. He just loved Jordan unconditionally, and what did he get? He got 
He got married with a side order of murder to his plate. And it's just sad that he had to marry a horrific woman that didn't even want him nor love him the way that he expected to. And he thought that he could change her. He thought that he could literally change her feelings towards him. And they would have sex and they would have kids and, you know... But it's just tragic how he ended up dying 300 feet from the cliff of the Glacier National Park in Montana. Well, the next and last case on volume three of this book is called The Lady Killer. And that will be our next case. Bye. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Speak to you guys in the next one. Peace out.